0: So I'm hyperventilating a little bit, if I fall over pick me up because I've got some things to say. Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group they're rather stupid. That men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. Safety lights are for dudes. Safety lights are for dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. the air, Kristen. Oh, Lord, please give it up for the dazzling vocal stylings of Miss Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the first Citizen Dame episode recorded in the new year, the first episode of 2020. I Ooh. am I am Lauren Humphries Brooks and with me as always is Karen Peterson. Hello. And how are you doing Karen? How how has your holiday been?
1: You know, it's been pretty nice. I didn't do a dang thing and that was wonderful.
0: Yes, that is always fun. I
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just really need a break.
0: Yeah, exactly. For the most part, I did that. Unfortunately, I've had to start working again because, like, I have to make money and stuff like that, which is stupid. (laughs) I know. Um, I go back
1: on Monday. I'm really bummed about it. My my co-worker texted me this morning. He
0: goes, I'm really upset that I have to work on Monday. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. It's that sense of, like, but do I have to... I mean, do we really have to work? (laughs) Is this not... Let's talk about this here, none of us want to, so maybe let's just not. yes, let's just not. I agree <laughs> so, but we are also gonna have a little bit of fun today, and we're gonna talk about some interesting things. no garbage people right now, although I'm certain that we could bring up someone or something, but I don't wanna uh, I don't let's just like keep it. the the holiday chillness going for a little while longer.
1: Oh although I will mention that speaking of things that are
0: happening on monday um hervey weinstein's trial starts yes yes and and recently there were several of his accusers who refused to sign the civil settlement yes uh Mm -hmm. which is interesting so it's gonna this this is gonna this is gonna be ugly when it comes right down to it i mean it's this isn't gonna be a fun time but it will be interesting certainly
1: yeah they said that uh it lets them off the hook too easily and they didn't want to be part of it and i just say Mm -hmm. yes thank you good
0: yeah good for them and that's very brave of them to do also that's not something Mm -hmm. that's that's not easy to do i mean they could just basically you know largely walk away from this after it's consumed so much of them but they're actually they're actually really standing up and that's quite brave of them to a very powerful man (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah that'd be terrifying so all right so let's talk about some interesting things that have gone on Um, let's start with the happy stuff i'm going to start with like some of the good things that are happening one of the things that is uh was recently published in the hollywood reporter um is a a report from san diego state university that found that women accounted for 21 percent of all directors writers producers executive producers editors and cinematographers working on the top 250 films Um, This is a slight improvement over the 20% number of 2018 So this this is solely in reference to um, the top uh, 250 top grossing films of the of 2019 Um, Female directors helmed 12% of the top 100 grossing films, which is really up from 4% in 2018 and 8% in 2017. So inching up there uh and of course this this was a year that, that saw the release of little women hustlers book smart the farewell uh queen and slim uh you know next year we're also going to see the release of wonder woman uh which is uh, almost undoubtedly going to be in one of the going to be in the top 100 uh, just in terms mm-hmm. of grossing so this is this is good the, you know it's incremental and one of the things that, um, that the article points out is that in addition to the fact that the, w- that the women are, are taking on these major roles behind the scenes, when women take on major roles behind the scenes, they also employ other women. Uh, right. so women, so 59%, um, of films directed by women also have a female writer. So there's like this in so there's been a really good increase in as female directors and female writers and producers begin to get more power uh we're also seeing women more and more women being employed below the line because women employ women. This is a good thing but also, you know, 21% is it should be at least 50, shouldn't it? Uh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's
1: <laughs> the percentage that's coming out of film school, so what does it tell you that we're still so far down?
0: Yeah. And of course, and this is only addressing the really high grossing films. So we're not really talking about um, any of the smaller films or anything like that, but I don't know. I find it kind of heartening. I mean, it's good to see that we're actually, that we're moving in the right direction at least. Uh, You know, I feel like we're always taking two steps forward, one step back, but we're, we're moving up a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Um, one thing that I do wish and someone else had pointed this out to me is that it doesn't really break down what the stats look like when you start to um go just beyond women in general and looking at um the racial lines because Uh a lot of those 21 percent are white women and so they're so yeah that's great for women coming up and and we're seeing much more movement but those lines need to start to include more women of color too
0: yeah absolutely i mean they're i i am heartened by the fact that's that people like uh lulu wang have been she has been so praised for her directing for the for the farewell and for her writing and mm-hmm. that is very important and it's it's good to see but yeah absolutely there's we're we're not we're bar- we're not at parity for white women and we are really not at parity for non-white women. Uh, and exactly, that's, yeah. that's not a good thing. I I don't I actually don't know the statistics in terms of just generally people of color, some male and female. Um, what those statistics look like, I'm willing to bet that it is probably much lower. Than, Which is why um, they often
1: don't share them, because <laughs> they uh-huh. don't want us to know how bad it really is, because <laughs> it is difficult to find that information.
0: Yeah. So, some good things, you know, we still have a very long way to go, and yeah, absolutely, we, we, we need more women of color directing, writing, etc. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about uh, last week was how good a lot of films have actually been this year, that there have been a lot of different kinds of films um films in languages other than english that have made serious inroads that are going to get nominated for oscars that are have been very popular films at the same time and that's really wonderful and and some of that you know that that also gives me hope because that says that that this whole story about like well you know middle america who whatever that happens to be won't go see movies that are not just about straight white men and that's quite it's quite obvious that that's not true because as these films are beginning to get more and more play people are going to see them they're they're being praised they're being beloved they're getting talked about in terms of major awards which you know and we shouldn't base anything on whether or not a film wins an award there are brilliant films that aren't going to win anything but the amount of attention that those films get uh is important and the fact that it's becoming diversified very slowly but still Mm -hmm. uh does does say that it, it this is a good thing no definitely. but
1: you know what it's great to see the movement and to see to see how far we've come just in the last 10 years 20 years and you know uh, it'll be great one day to see that those films being recognized like you said I totally agree with you awards don't measure a films quality um, completely there are a lot of different things There are a lot of really great films that never come close to awards consideration but it also will be great when we get to a point where it's not weird or Mm -hmm. unusual to have one female director nominated it's going to be two and three sometimes and a very nice mix that will feel like yes this does represent the the best of the films that were out this year that we're celebrating we'll get to that point eventually (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: eventually (laughs) every time we get a little bit of a crumb of hope about these things i'm like yes we have we went up one percent that's right (laughs) we didn't go down (laughs) yes absolutely uh on the not so great side I, like I, I struggle with whether or not I want to talk about this but the fact was there's so many people that were saying oh this makes total sense nope. I'm just like no it doesn't it doesn't we're not we're not gonna let them off the hook for this one um, <laughs> so the the writer of Star Wars uh, The Rise of Skywalker screenwriter Chris Terrio, uh, in an interview with Awards Daily unpacked why this, this is from a vulture article Uh, He unpacked why he and fellow screenwriter J.J. Abrams were required to minimize the role of Rose Tico, who is played by uh, Kelly Marie Tran in the Star Wars series. And his explanation was uh, one of the reasons, this is a direct quote from him, one of the reasons that Rose has a few less scenes than we would like her to have has to do with the difficulty of using Carrie Fisher's footage in the way we wanted to. We wanted Rose to be the anchor at the Rebel base who is with Leia. We thought we couldn't leave Leia at the base without any of the principles we love, so Leia and Rose were working together. Uh, the last thing we were doing was deliberately trying to sideline Rose. We adore the character and we adore Kelly <laughs> so much so that we anchored her with our favorite person in this galaxy, General Leia. It's interesting how he repeats this several times. We love these characters. Oh, the women, man. The women are fantastic. Bullshit well he any he later he later clarified um that uh because it seemed like he was implying that the problem had to do with carry with the cgi for uh carrie fisher's character um to put uh rose and, and leia together um and obviously trying not to blame the vfx team <laughs> uh he later said that i badly misspoke um in an earlier statement, I implied that any cutscenes scenes between Rosalea were the fault of our VXS, VFX team and the wizards at ILM. Uh, I was referring to a specific scene in which Leia's emotional state in Episode Seven did not seem to match the scene we wrote for use in Episode Eight or yeah, Episode Nine, and so it was cut at the script stage. Uh, so he's arguing that they also made changes to the script as obviously as a result of Carrie Fisher's death. Now there are many issues with the way that this guy has tried to excuse oh, so the, many. the sidelining of rose in this film but the fact but the fact that he's like that he blames the deceased actress who plays leia that he blames a dead woman for well the reason why this this character that we totally love got
1: sidelined is because carrie fisher died well she shouldn't have had a lifetime of difficulties and gotten hooked on drugs this is entirely (laughs) her fault how dare she yeah (sighs) yeah
0: this was like i mean this was bullshit and and i know that that um it recently came out that you know uh kelly marie trans character has one and a half minutes of screen time something like that yeah one Uh, minute and 16
1: seconds i believe is the official total
0: which is less time than her like dead sister had in the Uh last jedi
1: yep her sister i think her screen time was like 145 or something like that
0: i mean and and the the fact is you know if this was someone like uh if this was like john boyega or if this was oscar isaac and this was the argument that they were making it would still be kind of bullshit, but the fact that this is specifically about one of the characters that was viciously attacked by fanboys uh, in in the release of the Last Jedi, just it, yeah, I call it bullshit. This is not. This isn't right. And, and also, how dare you blame Carrie Fisher? Mm-hmm. How dare you?
1: Well, yeah, there are so... a lot of problems with this. First of all, um, you can write the movie any way that you want to. And to sit there and say, yeah. well, we're trying to anchor her to to Leia. Okay, first of all, obviously, that's just a big fat excuse. But there are ways to give her that without her having to be in specific scenes always with Leia she was given an assignment and her excuse Mm -hmm. to to finn as to why they can't go why she can't go with them while they're you know trying to find their thing that they're looking for the whole reason that she says she can't go is because leia wants her to go through a bunch of blueprints uh which okay really that's the big assignment they gave her but um but still, that means that she's got stuff to do that doesn't mean she has to constantly be in a room with Leia all the time. So there are ways to give her scenes yeah. and give her an, a story that don't involve having to use this old footage, first of all. Second of all, when we first catch up with these guys, we meet up with Finn and Poe on in the middle of a mission Um, Ray isn't with them either, but there's some, like, slug guy that we've never seen before that's not a real person. It's just some creature. We don't know anything about this person. Why wasn't Rose with them on that trip? Mm -hmm. Like, even little things like that throughout the movie, it would have been so easy for them to include her. And so it all just adds up to making this excuse feel more bullshit than it even already was. And... It's it's so ridiculous and so insulting, and the real problem that they just can't admit to because it's Disney they cannot admit that the real problem is that they gave in to the fans, the whiny yeah. fanboys who just hated Rose, and so what they ultimately did was Jar Jar Binks her.
0: Yeah, uh, and and I have to say I'm not someone who is a, a huge Star Wars fan. I enjoy the films. I you know I like going to see them and everything. One of the things I actually really liked about The Last Jedi is that there was this character who was different, that she felt she felt like she wasn't a a copy in some ways of previous characters. And in in many ways, one of the problems that I've had with these films has been the way that they've structured them so closely to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And Rose was a departure from that. It was like, oh, you know, rather than having this triumvirate, we're going to have like this, this this group of four and they can all have these adventures and and this is someone who you know is she was an interesting character i was interested in her as like a person in ways that i have to admit i i not i wasn't that interested in ray because i felt like she was just kind of like luke but not uh and rosa was actually like oh she's interesting you know and she's not like fucking toxic masculinity like poe right. uh so it, yeah, it's it's really disappointing that they did this, and and I don't think that this in any way undercuts the fact that uh, that they they basically, like you're saying, they gave into the fans, they gave into all of the the angry boys who just like and again, it's, it's basically how how dare how dare this girl get to play with Star Wars, basically. And another um, reason
1: that all of this these excuses are bullshit is because right before. They started the screenings and right before even the cast got to see the movie, um, there was an interview that Kelly Marie Tran gave where someone asked her what she was... might have actually been at the press conference. No, she'd already seen the movie at the press conference. Um, But someone asked her what she was really excited for the fans to see. And she said she was really looking forward to them getting to see her and Ray interact and that friendship that forms. So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Mm. Where are those scenes? They filmed them, they filmed Mm. them, they exist. And I can just imagine the devastation. For Kelly Marie Tran, when she's there watching the movie with her castmates and her director and the writer and the producers, and she's so excited, and then she sees what happened to her character. Like, how do you just sit there and watch that, knowing that there are these yeah. scenes you're so excited about and none of it makes it in? And not only that, but your character is completely sidelined. There are hints at like a love triangle never go anywhere at all there are hints at you know big opportunities and things for your character to do that aren't even touched upon and and then that's it there's just there's just nothing we don't even really get to see any sort of a conclusion for rose in the end final montage they're showing all these people and it's like where's rose's hug of celebration where's you know where's any of this for her and it's just oh man It just makes me so angry. And I'm someone who didn't hate Rise of Skywalker. I thought it was actually okay. I didn't love it. It's definitely not my favorite, but I didn't think it was terrible. I don't think any of these movies are terrible, even the Attack of the Clones. So... Which is why I'm not a real fan because I don't hate them. Um, but uh,
0: <laughs> well, we gotta talk about Attack of the Clones sometime. Uh, <laughs> I just can never remember what it's about. That's why I don't hate it. <laughs> I have no idea what it's about. Nope. I've seen it twice. I don't know what it's about. Oh, I've seen it I... like
1: ten times. I always forget the plot as soon as it's over. <laughs> but uh, it's it's more. It's just I enjoy the process of watching them. I enjoy the time <laughs> I spend watching them, and it doesn't mean that they're i won't defend every one of them as being great i would never do that some of them are some of them aren't but i still like them and rise of skywalker i liked
0: you're the second star wars fan actually that i've spoken to who has who's like has a a soft spot for attack of the clones (laughs) and i find that really interesting i don't and the thing is like i again i am not in love with star wars like i enjoy Mm -hmm. it it's fine whatever uh Attack of the Clones to me was just like this is one of the worst movies I have seen, <laughs> like, and and again, and I, I I absolutely agree. I don't remember what it's about. I've no I don't know what most of the prequel series is about. No. Uh, uh, but I find it interesting that it seems to like have touched something in some Star Wars fans. That you're just like I enjoy this even though I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. like
1: I'll yeah I'll watch it when it's on. I think I just love the Yoda battle. It's pretty
0: great. yeah that's true the yoda battle is pretty cool Uh i
1: have to
0: give give credit to that yeah but anyway Uh... chris Terrio's full of shit
1: (laughs) and i wish that they would either tell the truth or stop talking
0: yeah it's it's i mean and you kind of expect that this sort of thing was going to come up given that this was one of the this is a major criticism of rise of skywalker and people noticed it uh and and so of course they were good. and i'm certain that they prepared their talking points on it and everything and so in some ways there's he's constrained to a certain degree by the truth versus not really being able to say what the truth is but yeah it's it's bullshit and i do want to say i like rose and i think that really the only one of this series that i actually want to go back and watch is the last jedi so Take that as you will. Obviously, I'm not a real fan because I've only seen Star Wars
1: movies.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, I haven't read any of the books or played the video games or participated in discussion boards or anything like that. But have you ever
1: used a flashlight as a lightsaber? No,
0: but when (laughs) I was a kid, okay, but when I was a kid, I had these like Nerf swords. Mm-hmm. that were you know nerf and and my parents very intelligently got me two nerf swords and i used to pretend that those were lightsabers so there you that go count? that counts
1: that counts
0: <laughs> sorry dr so... ed you lose <laughs> i can't believe that dude's a doctor oh my gosh i don't There's i people... don't believe that dude's a doctor i want to see his <laughs> diploma for those who are not on twitter and are not paying attention to that congratulations wonderful, like yeah wonderful place there there was a guy who basically said that um in order you're not a real star wars fan if you've only seen the star wars movies yeah you have to like (laughs) read all of the books and the the extended universe and like a whole bunch of other things and i was just like man like you know siri show me what a gatekeeper is (laughs) exactly oh my gosh (laughs) oh that guy so, well, since we're talking about fandom... Yes. Uh, this is an interesting question. We did get a, a question slash topic from uh, Keith Derrick at KH Derrick. wanted to talk about a um, an article that was on Gizmodo entitled... Let me see if I can pull up the title again. Uh, the Decade Fandom Went Corporate. And... This article covers a lot of different things about um, kind of the corporatization of fandom and and a lot of what we're talking about right now, the power of the fan and this whole idea about brand loyalty. So and we've seen a lot of it this year, actually. We've seen, you know, the arguments about Disney Marvel and um, and Scorsese's comments about superhero films. You know all of that stuff. This this tendency of fans to identify with the the brand of their uh, of their fandom, and this article goes really in depth into a whole bunch of different things. It talks about uh, curative fandom versus transformative fandom. Um, curative being uh, being stuff like it, it's generally considered to be more male fandom, so stuff like memorizing trivia, buying collectibles, uh, going to fan conventions, stuff like that. So this this whole concept of um, consuming things and transformative are things like the fan art, fan works, uh, fan fiction, um, the kind of creating something out of fandom that is based within the fandom, but is also a part of uh, of the wider imagination of a a group of fans or a person. And I think that uh transformative fandom tends to be more related to to women or and just generally to more marginalized communities partially because for so long there have been there's been very little representation uh that women or uh, minor or minorities can identify with so you know if, if the only thing if the only thing that you get is the background person you're just like well i'm gonna write a story about that background person because that background person actually looks like me uh and then you, and you've also got issues about canon versus fanon and all of that stuff. So the, this article goes really into depth, but it's particularly talking about um, the way that corporations have kind of begun to own fandom in the past decade.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's an interest it's an interesting issue. It's one that you know I've noticed. What Keith was asking about specifically was whether or not the corporate co-opting of fandom might lead to a a greater spotlight on issues of sexual abuse within within fandom communities or if it's actually just going to you know create wider problems because you've got this kind of polarization going on within fandom which has always been there but is now happening very publicly and is now also in, in a certain sense being supported by corporations and and creatives so i don't know if you had any thoughts about this karen i have i have a few thoughts but they're not completely formed same and i read the
1: article just before we started recording and i just i don't know i don't know much of and i i don't condemn capitalism as a total evil i know you do but uh (laughs) I think well, that, it's what we have right now. So right, and I think that there are good and bad things about it. And but the thing is that it in itself the the principle of capitalism isn't the thing that's evil. It's the people that that use it and how they wield the power that they have because of it. And I don't know of any situation in which. Um, Corporations have made the problem of pervasive sexual abuse and harassment uh, better. <laughs> <laughs> so, I how, <laughs> so I don't know how. So I don't know how corporations taking over and and driving fandoms is going to help that issue. I, I to me it seems like it would make things the same or worse. Yeah, uh, I, I... I don't. I don't. I mean, are they? I don't think the corporations, not that they don't care, but really they don't care. It's not that's not their issue and that's not what they're dealing with and so who would be then policing it? The corporations aren't going to.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I know. I'm not I'm not one of those people who goes to a lot of fan conventions or anything like that. That's just not my scene and mo- most of the things that I'm a fan of are so obscure. That it's like me and two other people, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> I just
1: found someone today who saw the movie Seventy One, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love that movie! Let's talk <laughs> about it."
0: <laughs> See, you know, like this is why I have a very good experience on Tumblr because I follow like five people and interact with three. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, it's very nice and nice and insular. And even we have drama sometimes, of course. But. But, uh, you know, so it's not an issue of, of conventions. But one of, uh, one of the things I just thought of in terms of the conventions is that there there has been for a long time this idea of the in-group and the out-group mm-hmm. in fan conventions. And, of course, now, and the, the article actually mentions Twilight and that Twilight brought a lot of girls and teenage girls to fan conventions. Right. Because this this was something that really appealed to them. And there was a whole lot. I, re- I even remember, like, Kevin Smith weighing in about it kevin smith being like dudes why are you mad that there are girls
1: right, and like yeah.
0: that was his response I was just like for once girls actually might be interested in something that you have to say like yeah don't harass them out of it but... oh
1: i remember the very first time i went to san diego comic-con i just went there for one day i had like a one day pass i went down to san diego hung out i got into the the panel that i wanted and it was pretty much the first panel of the day and then i just left which once you get into that big hall eight you can stay the whole day if you want to um but i left after that and the one that was coming in next was twilight and people were so pissed about it why is twilight here they shouldn't be at comic-con and it's like even just this last year, 12 years later or something, it was I was there and it was like I was seeing girls, you know, in all kinds of stuff. And it's like, yeah, because like you say, because that door was opened for them with mm-hmm. Twilight when they started being welcomed and included at these conventions. And now they're in all sorts of fandoms and, you know, some of it's still Twilight adjacent. Some of it's complete offshoots, but it's because they now feel like they're part of this you know whole community
0: yeah and and that that is that's a positive side but on the other side i think that this has also created a lot of problems in of this, course it has this insult yeah of course this this insularity and this desire to protect mm-hmm. um and and to protect and one of the things that, that the article also mentions and this this ties in with harassment and and with what we were talking about kelly marie tran uh the so you know i mentioned canon versus fanon and the, and the difference between the, so the, what is canonical in a fandom, so what is actually contained within the film or the comic book or whatever else, and what you know, becomes something that is, that is spun out of it uh, and that it's transformed into. And so you get you know, the fans, fans bullying Kelly Marie Tran and then suddenly her character is reduced to almost nothing in the next film. Mm-hmm. um you get people like uh the russo brothers or Zack snyder et cetera, making pronouncements or even people like jk rowling making pronouncements on twitter or on social media or an interview saying this is the way that it is and this is how you're supposed to interpret it and fans using that to 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 basically say to other fans you're not allowed to look at this in any way other than the way that i look at it because Zack snyder says so right uh and And if you don't
1: consume it the way that i do and if you don't reach the same conclusions that i do then you're not only are you doing it wrong but you're not a fan and you don't count
0: yeah exactly and of course you know and we could get into the discussions of toxic masculinity and what this represents but this this idea that fans for a very long time were sidelined and were considered it was the nerd community right Mm -hmm. um and were considered to be you know at least by by the wider culture in a certain sense the lesser now you're getting a lot more people coming into fandoms and proclaiming themselves fans everyone from you know little kids who are five years old right now to 55 year old women and and those spaces are being invaded and and in their mi- and certain fans minds it, they're being co-opted they're being taken they're losing something and what they're really losing is the control over this product that really never belonged to them right um but corporations do seem to be reinforcing this so you've got people like Zack snyder you know constantly and and a lot of the people who work for dc constantly tweeting about the snyder cut Mm -hmm.
1: oh my gosh yeah it was bad enough when the boys were doing it and some girls but when you start when you actually got people from like gal gadot i was like darling honey what are you doing stop this nonsense like that day that they all started tweeting it and it was it was like you don't understand what you're feeding by doing this
0: yeah it's 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 corporatization it is this like oh we're we're ramping up sort of fan attention and it gets them attention absolutely and it gets dc attention uh whether or not it's a real thing and like at this point i'm just like oh my god if it's real can you please just release this so that it can all be over Mm-hmm. just please like i don't i can't hear about it anymore Exactly. Um, but so i don't know it's a, it's a really complicated issue and i in terms of keith's question i do agree with you i don't think that this is this is the the corporatization of it is not going to make it safer ultimately
1: i think that certain things like um like uh, sorry i just lost the word <laughs> conventions i think that those have become so big and so um just so expansive that like what are what are the corporations even supposed to do about those how how can they stop harassment and other things at one of their events i mean they can't control everything that happens outside of you know the showroom or their big convention halls and things you know like they, they there's so much of what happens at those things can't even be blamed on a convention or on the people that host it. It's, you know, there's just a lot of other, th- like, that's the thing. I, I don't understand how corporations could help fix that problem in the first place.
0: I mean, one of the things, you know, be beyond having security and stuff like that and and no tolerance policies yeah banning uh, banning people when they're found mm-hmm.
1: to be doing you know bad and yeah. abuse and violent things is, is a start i guess but that's not gonna but, stop it either
0: but one of the things i think that we've talked about this a couple of times we've talked about it with um the zack snyder fans and dc fans and i and you know again i'm not saying that everybody who's a fan of dc is this kind of a person but there there does seem to be certain fandoms that are more inherently toxic than others yeah and that and i think that some of that is an encouragement of toxicity coming from the the corporate accounts coming from people like snyder or um uh or you know or, or people like jj abrams who are almost promoting this this inter this uh head between fans of like we're, we have to fight it out and it's because they're they're getting publicity as a result of it. They're getting, you know, if everybody is talking about release the Snyder cut, they're talking about DC films. Right. Constantly. They're getting a lot of what is basically free publicity from all of these fans who are getting really, really in, you know, into their fandom. And, but it's, it's a talk, it's a toxic relationship. So one of the things the corporations could do is actually encourage transformative fandom more and and say like you know we want to encourage people to expand outward not just be like we have to see this one thing that is just like the holy grail of our fandom but actually to be like we want you to create more things Mm -hmm. and and not have it be something necessarily not like you know the joker fan art competitions but not so not necessarily something that they're going to make a dollar off of but actually to encourage uh, fans to interact with one another in a way that is positive and that is not just about everybody fighting it out until everyone is bruised and bloody and doesn't want to play anymore. Right.
1: It would also be very helpful, honestly, if social if social media is going to come into play with decisions that are made, uh, whether it be about products to merchandise or characters to... Add or subtract from a film or plot points or even just movies that are made and TV shows. If if fandom is going to be a driving force in those decisions, then the corporations do need to take responsibility to get into those conversations, uh, be a fly on the wall and see what is really happening and really understand what is driving the things that people are asking for and the level of of you know how much of this is fandom and how much of this is racism and sexism and things like that and then you can avoid situations like what happened to kelly marie tran who gets sidelined after she was bullied she was bullied off of social media and then she was bullied out of a movie Uh uh-huh and it's because they took you know, they knew that that had happened to her. It's not that they didn't. But I think that they took the wrong message from some of what the less toxic people were saying. The, like, oh, well, these guys agree. They weren't being mean to her, but they agree that her character wasn't working. So maybe we should do something about that. You know, and that's just one one example. But I think that if they're going to make those decisions, they need to invest in having people participate or at least listen to the conversations and really hear how they're going and what people are actually saying before they make a decision on something that's going to affect a a product and not feed not feed the trolls essentially
0: yeah exactly i i think that there are a lot of corporations that are just not they don't completely understand the way that 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 uh the fandom communities actually work
1: like the release the snyder cut hashtag i yeah. think that that happened because the people involved really didn't understand all the toxicity that is behind that hashtag
0: yeah yeah and you know and there are all sorts of there are all sorts of issues that are connected to it but yeah i i agree i think that if they invested more in paying attention to that and understanding. The way that these communities worked and it is its own sociology basically mm-hmm. uh because it's, it's it's social media in a lot of ways is still a very very young thing and the way that it has changed over the past couple of years even has you know it it's it's a massive alteration but they do need to understand that if if they're actually you know if they're serious about actually keeping their fans happy keeping their fans comfortable you know continuing to welcome people in because eventually people are just going to be like you know what it's not worth it yeah. It isn't worth the degree of anger and nastiness and cruelty and anything else. And, and you know what? I don't have to, I don't need to spend my time with Superman. That's not something that I need. And there are a lot of people that are just going to walk away from it mm-hmm. um, in all of its forms. And so they're not going to make money. Yeah. You know, if if that's, if that's the final goal, eventually you're going to stop making money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's interesting, uh, but I don't think we're ever going to solve it, to be honest. No, and one of the things they need to realize, too, one of the things that
1: I thought was interesting, when I first watched Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh, wow, I know a lot of people who are going to be really happy about this movie and a lot of people who are going to be really mad and a lot of people who are going to feel both. And it's really funny because um, it was like, a lot of people just assumed that if you hated the, the last jedi you were gonna love rise of skywalker but one of the problems is that when you try to please everybody you end up pleasing nobody and Uh i don't understand why that's such a hard concept for people to get either in in terms of who makes these creative choices
0: yeah well thank you for your question keith uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting issue and yeah we're not we're not going to solve it here unfortunately we, maybe i mean if it was just up to us we could probably solve it well but. if it was
1: just up to me i would say all right all women are automatically allowed and men have to apply for admission <laughs> and uh women are i mean women can be kicked out if they need to be but we're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt
0: yeah i hate to say it but a lot of the problem tends to be men <laughs> like, yep. and it's always grown-ass men it's never like you know eight-year-old boys it's always like 45 year old men yep yep exactly
1: exactly and then the Uh, kids are like wait adults are the ones doing that Mm,
0: technically yes
1: technically they are adults exactly
0: so moving on let's talk about something fun and happy let's talk about movies we are looking forward to this year it is 2020 it is uh it is i think (laughs) it is it is the roaring 20s we have so many things to look forward to at the end of course at the end of the decade we're gonna have a massive stock market crash so you know we can look forward to that uh but before that we get to have a lot of fun so what are what movies are we just really excited about that are coming out in 2020 i'm gonna let you start on this karen
1: oh man yeah so we're foregoing the top 10 thing this year we're just gonna talk about movies we're excited about right because i have like 58 I'm just kidding. I don't have 58. But um, I, <laughs> I did. I hope not. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I did narrow down my sun li- Sundance list to 43. So um, <laughs> which apparently you can't do in nine days. I beg to differ. But um, yeah, no. Uh, my list is a lot of this. My list is mostly going to be studio films just because I don't know what I don't know yet. And so there are a lot yeah. of movies I just don't know about, I haven't heard about, um, that are smaller indie films. There are a few that are going to be at Sundance that I'm looking forward to, like, um, Shirley, which was actually, I think, on Kim's list last year for Anticipated yes, Films, yes. the one about Shirley Jackson, and that's going to be at Sundance. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And... It's directed by Josephine Decker. That's the one with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss, Michael Stuhlbarg. So, I'm excited about that. Um, And The Glorias, which was one that was on my anticipated list. That's about uh, Gloria Steinem. And it's from her memoir. And Julianne Moore and Alicia Vikander both play different versions of her at different points in her life. Um. And that is directed by Julie Taymor. So that one I'm looking forward to. And then uh, also another Sundance title I really am excited about is The Last Thing He Wanted, which is uh, from Dee Reese. Oh. Yeah. It was expected to come out last year. Netflix produced it. They, because they had such a big, heavy slate this year of movies, they talked her into pushing it back. So it'll have room to breathe for their slate in 2020. Um, but it's premiering at Sundance, and it's about a journalist who uh, quits her job and becomes an arms dealer. So that sounds fun. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's Anne Hathaway and Ben Affleck and Willem Dafoe. So, um, huh. yeah. So I'm really excited about that one. I have a few others I'll mention, too, but I'll let you go.
0: All right. Well, I mean, I think that a lot of mine are, are- – probably some of the bigger movies because like i'm not going to Sundance, obviously but also just yeah like so sometimes you don't know what you're going to be into until they actually come out and you're like ooh, that sounds really interesting mm-hmm. um but one that i was thinking about was gretel and hansel oh. uh which is uh, it's a gretel and hansel a grim fairy tale it's just a it's a dark fantasy film based on hansel and gretel uh just based on really two things one is the fact that it is directed and written by oz perkins uh who also directed and i believe wrote the black coat's daughter which is one of the best horror films none of you people saw uh <laughs> i think it's on that's on hulu now i oh, believe okay uh but he he's just a he's actually uh i believe tony perkins's son oh uh yes he's tony perkins's son and, and just like based, so, this is based solely on the trailer. It looks like the witch, but Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. which is absolutely 100% right up my alley. So I am very excited about that. I'll be interested to see that when it comes out. Um, I hope that it's good. I mean, you know, there's always a chance that this kind of thing looks good on the surface and then turns out to be awful. But uh, the, the trailer race really look fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I like those dark, you know, in the woods kind of horror films.
1: Yeah. Did you know, well, sorry, The Black Coat's Daughter is is on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix now. No. It it's been moving mm-hmm.
0: around. Yeah. It's now on Netflix. Uh, So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, I, and this was on my list last year, uh, Death on the Nile, which is, I <laughs> yep. think, finally coming out in 2020. Uh, You know, just Kenneth Brown on his mustache. Just, like, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see that. Uh, another one that i'm cautiously pessimistic about but i'm kind of interested to see it because i love the book uh is dune mm-hmm. uh Denis villeneuve's version of the of uh, frank herbert's fantastic sci-fi novel uh is supposed to come out this year i really hope that it's good like i pray to god uh i don't think it's going to be but (laughs) but i want it to be i really this is one film that i'm really pulling for um let's see what else oh another one that i had on was uh the invisible man i have that one too okay yeah it looks interesting i initially was like oh god they're making the invisible man and then i actually saw the trailer and realized what they were doing with it Mm -hmm. and if done properly i think that this could be a really fascinating film
1: yeah um,
0: yeah, so. Lee Wanell makes interesting
1: movies. I don't necessarily love all of them, but interesting nonetheless. I guess he's only done two, but, um, <laughs> 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 but they're both like the two movies that he's done in cities three and, uh, upgrade, which was out, I think last year, maybe it was the year before it was in the year before. Cause it was when venom came out and I was like, Oh, actually now that I've seen upgrade, I realized that venom is it's no i saw venom first and i was second sorry i can't talk i saw venom second and then i was like oh this makes me retroactively like upgrade more (laughs) (laughs) it's basically the same movie and um logan marshall green who you can't tell me is not tom hardy uh (laughs) he's in that one and it's yeah it's just really funny because tom hardy's in venom and yeah anyway lee winnell
0: yeah that should be interesting (laughs) yes and i also had promising young woman which i just recently I saw the well. trailer for uh and that one i think that that's actually a woman uh emerald finnell in her directorial debut yeah mm-hmm. um starring uh carrie mulligan and a whole bunch of other people but again you know i know that we shouldn't always judge everything based upon their trailer but the trailer really made me go like this is a movie that I need. This mm-hmm. is a movie that I feel is very applicable to our time period.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's one that I, I got into a discussion with one of my podcast co-hosts from a different podcast. And he was like, I'm so excited for this movie. And I was like, I am only excited because not directed by a dude. <laughs> <laughs> if this movie were directed by a man, I would
0: not be looking forward to it. But I yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the presence of a female director definitely makes me go, hmm. Yeah. And interestingly, that was actually something that one of my friends said about Hustlers, because we were talking about that the other day. And she she was like, oh, no, I don't want to see this. And I said, no, 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 It's directed and written by a woman. She was like, oh. Mm-hmm. It's that It actually does make a difference. It really does, yeah.
1: And actually, one of my male colleagues at another outlet didn't like Hustlers. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you would have if a man had directed it. he doesn't like it when i say stuff like that um so a couple of other titles i'm looking forward to (laughs) lauren did you know there's gonna be a nun too
0: (laughs) what yep it comes out in october what are you serious oh my god it's gonna be so good yep
1: (laughs) um i can't wait yeah and then um what could possibly happen next? I don't know. <laughs> um, but also, we're supposed to get The Conjuring 3 this year, too. And yes. I am so excited. I love those movies. So excited for that. And then, um, of course, Wonder Woman 1984. And yeah. That one goes without saying. I'm really excited about Eternals. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like... I don't... I, I like the... I like the Avengers movies a lot, all of them, um, but I don't remember our, the last time I was this excited for one, probably, at least this far out, you know, so uh-huh. I'm looking forward to that because that cast just looks amazing. And then, of course, everyone knows Top Gun Maverick is like, <laughs> I'm already in the theater. I'm just like, mentally, I'm there. Um <laughs>
0: You've seen this movie already in your mind, in your dreams. Oh, my gosh. You've witnessed it. I had a
1: dream last night. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having the weirdest dreams recently. And last night I had a dream that Tom Cruise worked for me in my tutoring center that I run. And (laughs) (laughs) people don't, I guess people don't really know this, like what I do for my day job. But I run a college tutoring center. And so I had this dream that he was one of my tutors. Not like a tutor that looked like him. It was actually him. He worked for me. And I needed to talk to him about something. And I didn't want to because I didn't want him to not like me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And I'm trying to talk to my coworker who's like, you have to go talk to him. And I'm like, but I've loved him since I was nine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> huh. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh, also another movie I'm excited for is the Bell Jar., oh. which, of course, adaptation. but um, the reason I'm excited, guess who's directing it?
0: Who, I haven't even heard of about this
1: Kirsten Dunst. Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'd be willing I'd be willing to go for that. Yeah, so I saw she was directing it. I was like, "Okay, I will check that out." So Dakota Fanning, Patricia Arquette, Jesse Plemons, Bell Pauly, and um yeah, that's who's in it. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited. And then Dunst co-wrote the screenplay with someone else, but yeah, it's the adaptation of Sylvia Plath's novel, so that could be interesting and then i'm just looking through here because i've i mean i've got a big list of stuff so um also in the heights yeah that looks really good did you see the trailer for that one
0: i've seen the trailer for that one that looks good too
1: yeah that's that's i think that's gonna be a good one and then um of course bill and ted face the music
0: (laughs) I was wondering if you were going to get to that one because I was like she's got to mention Bill and Ted because like otherwise I'm going to mention Bill and Ted Uh, oh my gosh I have been following every bit of like their updates for this movie I'm so excited it looks really cute i'm i i love i i too love bill and ted and i'm excited about it even though again none of my friends believed that it was an actual thing i was like no they're making a third one it's like no they're not it's like you're making that up it's like no they are yep there are it's coming out next year it's like no that's not true it's like it (laughs) is the
1: day that they finished filming um i think both well i think both the writer and and alex winter both both posted something on twitter about it like oh we finished principal photography today and i went and told someone i was like oh my ah. gosh they finished filming bill and, and It's like what are you talking about <laughs> like the movie what yeah like i don't know how people have missed that there's going to be a third one but apparently i'm not doing my job <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that that was on my list too actually i think we've covered everything that was on my list yeah Cool. Yeah. So any anything else that you're, like, majorly excited for? You know, I'm also really looking
1: forward to a Disney animated movie coming out called Raya and the Last Dragon. Huh. Which I had not, not heard, heard about until I was at um, D23, and when they were doing their presentation, um, Jennifer Lee, who is the head of Disney Animation... Um, she introduced this and it's uh it's based on a chinese legend i believe and it's got um i'm trying to think i'm looking it up right now um yeah, Adele Kim, who was one of the co-writers on Crazy Rich Asians, is writing it. does have white dudes directing it, but it's going to have an actual Asian cast, not a bunch of Asian characters voiced by white people. Um, I know Aquafina is supposed to be one of the voices in it. Um, so,
0: yeah, I'm really cool. looking forward to that one, too. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Oh, and I, I also am looking forward to Mulan yeah live action version of milan and i know that there there have been some some issues around the the, the mm-hmm. lead uh the like more political issues and stuff like that but the film itself does look really good mm-hmm. and it's one of the few like disney live action films i'm like yes this makes sense yeah. Thank you for I actually know. doing one of the few that makes sense.
1: <laughs> well, when they were talking about remaking them, I was like, I hope they do Mulan, because that's the only one that really feels like it would benefit from a live action remake. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, I think that it will. And some people have been upset about the fact that it's not a musical. And I'm just like, but it's I, I, this way. It doesn't take anything away from the musical. It's not yeah. oh well why should I watch that when I can just watch this? It's like now you have reasons to watch both of them.
0: Yeah, it it's it should be a straight action movie, really. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what the story is. And like and I think that it'll work great. So yeah. I, I am looking forward to that. And the trailers look good. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: So anything else? Any major ones? Mm-hmm.
1: No. I think that pretty much sums it up. That's a good list. That's a great list. We did good. (laughs) That's a good list.
0: So why don't we talk about for a little while some films that we, that have recently been released, um, not absolutely new releases, but ones that have just recently gotten wide releases, or in the case of one of them been released properly on Netflix and we got to see that as well. Uh, So let's start with uncut gems. uh, The film by the Safdie brothers, starring Adam Sandler as i don't even know how to summarize the plot of this movie um as a a very high class jeweler in the diamond district who gambles way too much and keeps on endangering himself (laughs) in increasingly horrible ways (laughs) uh yeah yeah, pretty much that's that's about it i mean um I, i i saw this film uh back before the holidays back before i left new york and a number of people have said had said this but it it was interesting that my my experience was very similar that this is one of the most stressful films to see in a theater and i agree with that but what i actually felt was it is it was incredibly exhilarating um it was stressful in one of the best possible ways for me and that i was totally immersed in the film and there came a point where i'm sitting there going like oh my god this is one of the worst people on screen and yet i really really care what happens Mm -hmm. like i care what is going to happen to this guy even if it's bad or good or whatever else but i just like i really i'm invested in this you know and it's so well done it's such an intense movie and goes through so many different twists and turns i really did not know how it was going to come out how it was going to end there's one point in the film where i'm sitting where i was sitting there just going like oh my god no what is wrong with you <laughs> no and and yet you i think that the film does a really good job at, at kind of plunging you into this guy's psyche and into understanding even if you don't agree with him which you really shouldn't uh understanding why he does what he does and what all of his action where all of his actions are stemming from it's it's a very fascinating film for that kind of focalization. that's sort of embedding yourself in this character uh i i loved it i i thought it was it was one of the best films of the year and and if, for someone who does not particularly like adam sandler he really gives a fantastic performance in this so what did you think about that karen
1: so i'm actually still trying to decide <laughs> i saw oh. this probably a month ago and i want to watch it again it was one where i i was to- I agree with what you said completely. I was completely mesmerized by this movie and just even when it was really stressing me out and I was just like I I don't know I'm I can't look but then I just I needed to keep looking. I needed to see what was going to happen next and where this was going to go and who was going to come his way and was this going to happen or that, you know. I mean it was just constantly I was with it the whole time and um yeah, for me, it was a stressful experience, but it was also, but there was something about it that didn't make me like too stressed out to keep going, I guess. Mm. It was just like, yeah, I can, mm. I can keep watching this. And so, yeah, I was really interested in that. And then um, it was funny because I think I said this about another movie when we were doing our uh, best of the year, but someone described it as like, oh, I feel like I'm, you know, on a bunch of drugs right now. And I'm just like, I feel like being on a bunch of drugs would be the worst way to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're oh, on yeah. Unless you're, like, smoking some weed and can mellow <laughs> out. And then you're like, yeah,
0: cool, whatever. Yeah, um, you do not want to be on cocaine watching no! this movie. I think oh you just gosh. lose your shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine. Ooh. Um, but not that I've ever used cocaine. I don't know. But, uh yeah. I, I think that, I mean, Adam Sandler, I know that his, his especially his 90s work, well, and a lot of his current work where he just goes on vacation and makes a movie, um, it, people don't really like that. They don't like his his characters, but there's always been a really good actor in there. And yeah. every once in a while, he lets that out. And And this is coming from someone who loves Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. I think they're fun. Um but they're not great works of of you know performance art necessarily mm-hmm. but when you see these types of roles from him it's this reminder of like man yeah Adam Sandler is really talented and i like to to see those glimpses and i'm glad that he gave this a shot i think the safty brothers are really interesting directors i think they have a very particular style and i'm glad that they have kind of found a way in to to share that and working with a24 it feels like the right studio for them and they've been able to in just a few movies they've been able to put together a really good crew behind the scenes they're able to get really talented actors i mean who knew kevin garnett could act and he's really good in it too and um and yeah i just i think that this is a film that i definitely appreciate i think it's really good I just, where I come down to where I'm not sure how I feel about it is like, I don't know if I liked it, (laughs) but I know I didn't dislike it.
0: I, that's interesting. I, it's, it's a film I want to see again. I would like to see this again with like other people and see their reactions to Mm -hmm. having seen it once myself and then actually getting to see how they react to the film. Um, I would also be interested to actually see it in not, you know, I was in a, a packed movie theater um and so there was definitely a vibe in the theater itself it would be interesting to see it like you know on its own and actually get to process it a little bit more knowing kind of all of the the changes that are going to take place within the film itself but yeah yeah it is it is definitely an interesting film i would recommend going to see it if you get a chance
1: highly Uh, recommend
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so the other film that, you know, s- kind of switching gears completely. Totally the uh, same type of movie. <laughs> uh, let's talk about The Two Popes. <laughs> the Netflix film, which was released, I think it was re- actually released around, around about Christmas. Yeah, December 20th mm-hmm. in the United States on Netflix, um, which stars Jonathan Price as uh at the time, Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, who would eventually become uh, the future Pope Francis, and Anthony Hopkins as Pope Benedict Sixteenth, And it is about a particular instance, particular moment in their relationship, and kind of how they relate to one another and uh, their pasts, and particularly uh, Francis's past. And how and the differences between their religions and their faiths and how they ultimately you know come to sort of a point of understanding almost i guess it's a fascinating film and um probably i would say that it's one of the best films i have seen about that really gets into the nuance and complexity of faith uh definitely one of the best recent films that actually Mm -hmm. deals with this because it treats their faith and these are two high ranking members of the catholic church obviously one of them is pope at the time (laughs) uh and they have completely different outlooks they have completely different understandings of what catholicism should be and 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 not just what catholicism is but what the place of the church is within catholicism and what they are supposed to be for their parishioners for the people for everybody um and but at the same time, they, they do come to this mode of understanding in arguing with each other pretty constantly. Uh, but it's a, it's a really fascinating film. I think that um, both of them give wonderful performances. Jonathan Price in particular, like watching this, I was like, oh, I want him to be my pope. <laughs> Like, I'm so glad, you know, it, I'm, I'm not Catholic, but um, I am aware of the fact that the Pope generally is the, is the representative of, the most visible representative of Christianity in the world. And it's interesting to see kind of this conflict between these two men and what Christianity means to them and what their faiths mean to them. And ultimately knowing, of course, that Francis is going to be Pope and, and the approaches that he's going to take to the church. Uh, Mm -hmm. and the failures also but also the successes and and so i thought it was a great film it was a really well acted film well put together it's not preachy it's not trying to convert anybody it isn't a faith-based film in that sense um but it's really trying to get at something real and truthful about religion and about the way that human beings just generally relate to one another so what did i i know that you liked this film karen
1: oh yeah i loved this movie it's uh It's in my top 20 for the year, and it's everything that you said about it, I completely agree with. And what I would add is that as much as it doesn't dive deep into faith, it really is about philosophy. And I think that one of the things it does very well, and one of the things I think a lot of people watching this needed to see, was two people who have been raised being taught the exact same things, who've been through the same um, seminary system, of course, in two different countries with totally different teachers, but they've been taught the same lessons and they come away with it with different understandings of what their belief and their faith and their dogma and all of it means. And they have different interpretations. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people now that are uh, religious and that, um, belong to, organized churches there's this weird not weird but there's kind of this this thing happening where a lot of people think well i have to believe exactly this and only this and i think that what the two popes shows is that you can reach totally different conclusions by reading the same scripture passage by hearing Mm -hmm. the same lessons from the same person you can draw different conclusions from that and it doesn't mean that it's wrong you know it's it's just different ways of looking at the world so i think that's one really important lesson that i took from from the two popes i'm not catholic either um but i i have a lot of family that is and i like you said i i know that a lot of people look to the pope and i even though i'm not catholic and even though what he says doesn't exactly have a bearing on my life or on my belief I still listen to what the Pope has to say because I'm interested in it and I'm curious about it. And I know a lot of people who will take, uh, take very personal meaning from it. And seeing the background of Francis's life and understanding where he came from also makes it, easier for me to see how he's so forward thinking and why he understands the world in a way that he does because he's lived a life that other popes haven't the ones that have come before him haven't lived and he's had experiences he's made mistakes that were very well known and that affected Mm -hmm. an entire country and he's had to live with that and so it's just interesting to see that and to see Jonathan Price does such a beautiful job of portraying someone who has a lot of uh, not necessarily guilt anymore, but has learned the lessons of the mistakes of his past. And I think that it really does a good job of showing whether you believe or not showing why he's such a powerful and important and influential leader. Yeah. So I think it's just such a beautiful movie. And I, I love how they managed to make a conversation between two old people you know two old men two old priests basically really interesting and compelling and something that i didn't want to turn off i didn't want to walk away from and it's funny it's
0: endearing it's frustrating at times and it's just so good yeah i i absolutely agree i i like the fact that there is humor and there, there are francis makes jokes <laughs> and <laughs> And Benedict makes jokes in a couple of places. It's a German joke. It doesn't have yeah. to be funny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, but there there's like this rye this wry humor that's running through it. And and these, you know, they start out being guys that don't particularly like each other. Right. Uh and and the particularly those are those early scenes of them walking in the garden and having those conversations. And I, I like the fact that it doesn't it doesn't shy away from actually talking about some of the issues i was afraid that it was gonna like just kind of ignore Mm -hmm. uh you know the the uh, sex scandals the abuse scandals and it didn't it actually like talked about them head on and it's not that's not what the film is about but the film doesn't kind of try to sort of be like oh we're not going to talk about that because it's about something else it's all kind of a part of this the world of the catholic church and the fact that this that the catholic church is a religion it's, and it's also political and it's political within and, and without and it do, and like you're saying it does have a profound effect on real people's lives and has an effect on politics and has a relationship to politics and the way that people understand the world the way that people understand their their religion the way that they understand their belief structures and belief structures influence society so yeah whether or not you are you know you're a believer you're a catholic you're a christian you're you know you're an atheist it's still interesting to see the depth of like you're saying the philosophy and what these things mean and how these mistakes and differences in philosophy can have lasting consequences for good and ill Mm -hmm. Um, on the world on real people in real ways exactly yeah i think
1: one of the reasons that it doesn't necessarily shy away from the bigger issues is because of the fact that fernando Morales, i've seen in a couple of interviews where he's talked about he is catholic but he's kind of a lapsed catholic like he's not really um maybe that's changed maybe it hasn't i don't know but um He's not one of those that goes to church faithfully and um, he's, you know, he was baptized and that kind of thing. And so I think not being completely entrenched in it helps you kind of take that step back and be more objective and tell tell a more honest story. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. So, yeah, it, it is a good film. I I do suggest that everybody, regardless of your beliefs, like I said, this is not really a faith-based film in any sense go see it it's on netflix you really don't have an excuse
1: it's in your tv already
0: yeah and it, if just to watch anthony hopkins and and, uh, Vince, and um, i, I want to say vincent price jonathan price <laughs> uh, see i almost i always go to the one price uh to and jonathan price actually interact with each other and, and give just wonderful performances it, it was it's a surprising film in a lot of ways so i really recommend it
1: I'm so glad you
0: watched it. And I'm so glad you loved it. Yeah, it was great. So I think that that's going to close this out. What do you have on tap, Karen? Anything fascinating?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, well this Friday, uh, this, this is Friday. Um, this Sunday is the golden globes. So I'll be watching those. I'm not going to be at the golden globes, but, um, then I've got the Hollywood critics association, which I'm in. We're going to have our awards next Thursday, and it's like a fancy dinner and everything, so I'll be at that. And then next weekend, I'm going to the Critics' Choice Awards.
0: Must be nice. I know. It's kind (laughs) of crazy.
1: It's like, oh, wow, I need dresses.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow, so fancy. I know. So fancy. Well, I am going to go see Cats this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So there. (laughs)
1: I'm just going to go see Jojo Rabbit again.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to see Cats, honestly. like <laughs> I've had a couple of friends be like, please, please, please write a review. I was like, oh, you know it. You know Knowing... that there's going to be a review. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Knowing you and how much you enjoy bad movies, I think you will definitely find things to like about it. I just was so bored.
0: That's what I'm worried about. I'm actually worried about being bored. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't, I still have to see it. I have to know. But, I mean, I Idris
1: to. Elba is naked, basically, and that's, that's weird. That's not boring. That's no, not boring. That it's is- not. It's just a little weird because you're like, wait, is he, is he actually naked right now? And so then you're just staring at it, trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, also Rebel Wilson unzips her fur and is wearing clothes underneath.
0: Yes, I, I've actually seen that clip now, yeah, and that's I weird. would like to unsee it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you can't.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to see it again, apparently. You are so, twice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm up to. Have fun.
1: So, Are you going right. to drink more
0: grape vodka? Oh, God, never again.
1: You should probably drink it while you're watching Cats.
0: Never again. Never again. <laughs> that stuff's evil. I would just want to say to everybody, first of all, grape vodka, who the fuck distills vodka from grapes? Like, that's insane. <laughs> That's actually insane. Uh, And also it's terrible. And also I almost died. No, (laughs) no, I just did not feel well the next morning. That's all. Or three days later. Or three days later. It was a good time. It was a good time. (laughs) Uh, So that is going to wrap us up for this, our first recorded episode of 2020. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, you can get in touch with us so many different ways we are on twitter at citizen dame pod and instagram at citizen dame pod facebook facebook.com slash citizen dame send us an email citizen dame pod at gmail.com of course you can go to our website and i there probably will be a cat's review coming up at some point <laughs> within the next week uh, as soon as i get other deadlines finished so that's citizen dame pod.com of course we are always really grateful for our patrons um thank you so much guys you're like helping us to continue to do this and like actually pay for hosting and things like that so we always welcome more patrons um we do uh, at patreon.com slash citizen dame and hopefully we will actually be able to get up some more bonus content and stuff like that once everything has calmed down again uh is it ever calm? That's the question.
1: <laughs> no. Uh,
0: we also have a Zazzle store Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame, and that has buttons on it, and I'm going to go buy some buttons eventually just because I want some buttons. Uh, we also have a ko fi account. That's co-fi.com slash Citizen Dame if you want to give us a couple of bucks, uh, but you don't really want to make the commitment to be a patron. So, and otherwise, of course, you can get in touch with us uh, many different ways. Karen, where are you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen
1: M. Peterson.
0: And I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH Business. So that's going to close us out for this week. We will talk to you all later. Bye.
1: Your style and your methods are entirely different to mine. I don't agree with any, well, most of the things you say, think or do, but uh, for some strange reason, now I can see you. Uh, necessity for Bergoglio, but I cannot do this without knowing that there is at least a possibility that you might be chosen. No. It could never be me. All right. We are at an impasse. You cannot retire from the church unless I agree to your going, and I cannot resign until you agree to stay.